I want to talk about our responsibility as Christians to the Jewish people. Romans chapter 11, verse 28. Notice, I did not say their responsibility to us. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to always worry about what everybody else is supposed to do. You're supposed to worry about what you're supposed to do. And if we would take responsibility for what we were supposed to do, we sure could fix a lot of problems. So I'm going to talk about our responsibilities to the Jewish people. Romans chapter 11, verse 28. Uh, let's read there, verse 28 and 29. I, I remember verses, verse 28, but the context, I'm going to give you a little bit here to this morning. Romans 11, 28 and 29. It's concerning the gospel. They, natural Israel, the Jews are enemies for your sakes. They don't like you and me. They don't like Gentiles. They don't like anybody, all right? <laughs> They're enemies for your sakes. What is touching the election? Now, the election does not mean salvation. The election there is God's choice of them as his people, them as part of his bigger plan. Touching the election, they are what? Say it with me real loud. Beloved. For the fathers, now it's a little f, so it means for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's sakes. Because God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're beloved by God, verse 29, because, why? The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't go, oh, you know what? The Jews have blown it. I'm now going to walk away from them. So the truth is here, I want to say by introduction, that the gifts and the calling and the election of Israel is unchangeable. Look at that word. Concerning the gospel, they, and we're talking about unsaved Jews, not good people, but some pretty ungodly people, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they, the same unsaved, ungodly Jews, are beloved for the Father's sakes. And in context, it's because God's gifts, His selection, His election, and calling of God are without repentance. He doesn't change his mind. Now, here's the truth. God has never changed his view of Israel. All right? Yes, he's been upset at them. Yes, he has scattered them to the four corners of the earth. That doesn't mean the four corners, that the earth is four corners. But, and by the way, somebody told me to tell everybody, these are not our um, creepy um, decorations, all right? <laughs> They're already here. So, uh, we, don't, we don't like creepy, crawly things all over everywhere. But, um, uh, back to the point... <clears throat> God's view of Israel has never changed, and neither should our view. So we should fear how we treat them. We should worry about, are we handling them correctly? Above all other people, Christians should treat the Jewish people the way that God says to, not the way I feel like it. If I just treated everybody I met like I felt like, what would I be like? An animal. Honestly. A Christian is not somebody who says, well, I like you and I don't like you. No. You know, it'd be really good if I loved what God loved and I hated what God hated. End of story. So, thank you. So, above all other people, Christians should treat the Jewish people the way God says to. This morning, I want to help you start doing that. Now, this, this month, I've taught you several different things, and I've said very simply that Israel and its history and its politics are very complex. So don't think for a moment that you can just sit down and watch a couple of YouTubes and then I call it armchair judging. 
you know, where you can sit back and you can make all these judgments and conclusions about them and think that you understand them. You don't take the centerpiece of the entire Bible and just shove it away any way you want and make it into a theology that you want. You better. If Israel is the centerpiece of God's plan, now I know Jesus is the center person, but Israel is the centerpiece of his work throughout history. You just don't take it and shove it to the side and say, now I'm the most important, which is what most modern Christians do. There is a view that says the Jews are evil. It is a very, even in the 21st century, it is a very prevalent view by most people, both Christian and Muslim, that says quite, quite clearly the Jews are evil. They say the Christian church has replaced Israel. Israel is even not Israel anymore. Lost tribes have migrated up and become white Caucasians in Britain and in America. That's what they say. And anyone or any nation that claims to be Jewish should be ignored or, more particularly, should be wiped off the map. I'm not saying what Hitler said 80 years ago. I'm saying what people are putting on the Internet today. They say that since Jews don't believe the Bible, well, they don't, and they don't follow their own Messiah, and they don't, then they have no place in this world. Really? But that's what is being said and taught even in Christian circles. I've had people, that's why I don't follow all these stupid conspiracy theories, that all unsaved Jews are of Satan. You know, I was of Satan before I got born again. So don't be so quick to point the finger. Every Catholic and Protestant denomination throughout history seems to have a history of abandoning the Jews and rejecting the Jews and rejecting the Jewish claims to the land and to their own statehood. As a matter of fact, when Israel became a nation in 1948, May 17th, 1948, uh, uh, May 14th or May 17th, I can't remember now. When it became a nation, the United Nations basically said, sure, go ahead, form that little country over there on that piece of, of uh, sand called Palestine. Nobody else wants it. But there were letters all written saying it won't last. Let them have their nation. And when the Muslims come in and kill them all, we'll rush to their aid and we'll pick up their, their wounded and we'll take them all home and it'll all be over within a few days. That was the mindset in 1948 when the world allowed Israel to form its land. The world looked on saying, they're going to be destroyed. You know, God had different plans. Amen. And when churches align with, with, with Satan trying to destroy God's people, you better be careful which side you're on. Now, here's the truth. The truth is Israel, and I'm speaking of the Jews, they're not believers in Jesus Christ. I don't consider them brethren as far as spiritually are concerned. If they did believe in Jesus Christ, they wouldn't be Jews anymore. They'd be Christians, Christ followers, amen? All right. So we're not talking about Israel Christians. We're talking about Israel unbelieving. They are, as a nation, secular, and they live pretty wickedly. You go over there, they're a hotbed of homosexuality like you can't imagine. Um, you meet a, if you ever get to witness to a Jew, you'll find somebody who's usually very angry at God, very agnostic, if not atheistic. But that does not mean they've been ejected, thrown out from God's special planning, place and purpose that he has just for them. 
Most people, even Christians, have no idea what it means to say Israel is God's chosen people. They think that to be God's chosen people, it means they're already saved, they're on their way to heaven. They are not. They're just going to be used by God. They are a special group that God made a promise way back with Abraham 4,000 years ago that he was going to watch out for them and take care of them and work on them and work through them. So, last week I gave you five undeniable truths about Israel. The first one was that Israel is God's people above all other people. They are. They're more important than me, and they're more important than you. And that's good for us. You see, the thing of a Christian is, a Christian gets this idea, we are in the family of God, amen? But there's an elder brother, those are the Jews. And in, in the big scheme of things, it's very humbling for me to admit that I'm not the most important. It actually helps me to stay humble by honoring somebody else and putting them first. And so God kept Israel as a, His people. Matter of fact, Israel is called the beloved of God. Number two, I told you last week that God's covenant relationship with Israel is eternal. It doesn't change. Israel itself is eternal. If, if heaven and earth could disappear, if the stars stopped shining, if, the, if you could number all the sand of the sea, if you, could, uh, um, if you could stop the sun from rising, then God said, then I will break my covenant with Israel, no matter how wicked they are. So his covenant with Israel is eternal. I said that there are two Israels. There is physical, growing up, Jew, and then there's a believing Jew. And they are the Israel that God wants. God wants every Jew born again, amen? Just like he wants every Irishman born again, every Nigerian, every Frenchman, German. He wants us all born again. But they are, there's two type of Israels. There's the literal, physical Jew, and then there's the spiritual Jew, that actually is following their Messiah. So I taught you that there were two of them. So in the Bible, sometimes you gotta find out which one God is talking about. And lastly, Israel needs to be saved. Now maybe to you, Israel doesn't matter. But this series of studies exposes racism and anti-Semitism that is rampant among modern Christians who don't care about anything or anyone but themselves. I read yesterday the Irish Times, a gunman who was uh, uh, bearded and heavy set, a white male, walked into the Tree of Life synagogue and shouted, all Jews must die. You know what that is? Racism. Anti-Semitism. Do you realize, do you realize the Apostle Paul wished he could take the place of the Jewish people in hell if they would just get saved? He said, I could wish myself to be accursed if they would get saved. He loved the Jewish people, even though unsaved. No Christian would ever cry, boy, I tell you what, the problem with, it, with the world is Israel. No Christian, if they believe the Bible, could ever say, all Jews must die. Are you kidding me? The Apostle Paul gave his entire adult, adult life from almost the very moment that he got born again to reaching the Jews to turning them to faith in Jesus Christ. Why would anyone ignore God's way of looking at the Jews? Now, how a Christian, and especially a church, views the Jewish people determines whether they experience the blessings of God or the blessings of the devil. You know what? Churches are blessed. You just don't know who's helping them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to pray. It's real quiet here this morning. Father, we come before you one more time and pray that you would help 
open our hearts and our eyes to how we're supposed to treat the whole world, not just the Israel, by learning how to treat your people. It teaches how to treat anybody. Because right now, the Jews are our enemies, and you told us to love our enemies. Isn't that funny? So, Lord, right now, I pray we would stop and listen and have no preconceived ideas, and we would let your word convict us about our responsibility towards your people. Even though they're away from you, even though they want nothing to do with you, teach us how to love the unlovable. Because you did. You loved me when I was unlovely. And you loved me as a Gentile because you first loved the Jews when they were unlovely. So bless this study this morning. Bless your word. Open our eyes and expose our own racism. We kind of don't think we're too bad. But you know, as Christians, we should never let any corrupt thing come out of our mouth. We should never say any hurtful word. And how easily we do. So forgive us, Lord, this morning and help us take very seriously what we're going to learn this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing, Genesis 12. Go to Genesis chapter 12. And the first responsibility a Christian has to the Jewish people is to bless them. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. We call it the promised land. Verse 2, I will make of thee. Now Abraham and Sarah were, so Abraham was 75 years old, Sarah was 65. They didn't have any children. And God said, I'm going to make a great nation from you. And I will bless thee, Abraham. I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, when God says, I'm going to bless those that bless him, he's saying, you know, if you want to be a blessing to a Jew, you need to do good to them. You need to do good to people who don't want the gospel. I actually was with somebody out soul winning years ago over in New Jersey. He was a new Christian. It wasn't very, there weren't, all the marbles weren't there, okay, uh, up in the upper floor. So when he would go and he would give somebody the gospel and they would reject it, he says, well, there, I don't want to give it to you anyway. <laughs> and he kind of was just reacting to their re rejection. And I'm kind of watching this thing. I says, just give him another chance. And it was just funny to me. But you know what God spoke to me? Sometimes I can, you know, sometimes you see somebody in the extreme and the Lord's saying, that's you. And we're all like that. We'll all give somebody one chance to hear the gospel, and I'm never going to tell them again. They're, I'm never wasting my time. And yet, God never said do that. Bless those who don't want the gospel. Matthew 5.43 says this, You've heard that it had been said, Love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Do good to them. Do good to any Jew you ever meet. Do not look and go, oh, that's a Jew. Now, 
Usually when you meet a Jew here, it's going to be rare because they've all been moved out of Cork and some of them are still up in Dublin and things like this. But if you met somebody, it'd be pretty hard to go, oh, that's a Jew. But if you ever find yourself categorizing people and going, well, they got a flat tire, I'm not going to help them. That's racism. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, that guy's got a towel on his head. I'm not going to help him. Amen. That's racism. Somebody got a flat tire, help them. Give them a gospel track. Yes, that means sometimes, uh, that, that means love them because they are the apple of God's eye, because they are God's people, because they have been used by God for the biggest purpose of all, and that's the salvation of the world. Without the Jews, you wouldn't have the gospel. I'll talk about that in the morning. Now, sometimes, sometimes you, it doesn't mean, sometimes you have to rebuke them, all right? Uh, I live next to a Jewish uh, family when I was about 14, 15, 16 years old, and they played their music. This was a grown-up family, a couple of kids, and they played their music really loud. And I played my music loud, but they were way louder. And you go, oh, I don't want to offend them. No, my mom went over there. She asked me to come with her. She went over there, and she said, I'm going to tell you, we, we like to go to bed before midnight. <laughs> and, you know, they had made it very clear that you know, they didn't like us. Well, sometimes you got to rebuke them and say, turn it off or we're going to call the police, amen? But love them. Third, there are special blessings for anyone that blesses Israel. Go to Numbers 22. You're in Genesis. Go to Numbers, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers 22. Numbers 22, 12. God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they, and he's talking about all of this nation of Israel who were at that point in the wilderness. They hadn't gotten to the promised land yet. And Balaam's trying, he just got a big paycheck by a king to stand up and curse the nation of Israel. And God said, Don't do it, because why? Because they're blessed. Now look at chapter 24 and verse 9. Still in, this is Balaam still trying to curse him, and he can't. In verse 20, 24, in verse 9, here's Balaam. And Balaam instead says in, in chapter 24, verse 9, he, Israel, couched, he lay down as a lion, and as a great lion, who shall stir him up? Who's going to be bold enough to go and aggravate a lion? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, Israel, and cursed is he that curseth thee. It wasn't just a blessing for those who bless Abraham, but those who bless the descendants of Abraham. You should go to Psalm 122. Psalm 122. Middle of your Bible, Psalm 122 and verse 6. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of, Israel, of Jerusalem. They shall, what's the next word? That love thee. So God blesses those that love Jerusalem and love Israel. 
Matthew 25, I won't go, have you go there because we'll go there in a few minutes. In verse 40, the king, Jesus, shall answer unto them that, that he's honoring. He says, in as much as ye have done unto the least of these, my brethren, clothed them, visited them when they were in prison, fed them. Uh, in as much as you've done unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Who are Christ's brethren? Now, I know I got adopted into the family, but before I ever got there, the family of Jesus was his people. You've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So there are not only special blessings for blessing Israel, there are also serious curses for abusing them. Psalm 129 and verse 5. Psalm 129 in verse 5. Let them all be confounded. To confound is a strong word which is more than confused. It means to be ruined. Let them all be confounded and turned back that hate Zion. Zion is another name for Israel. So, so bless them. I got lots of verses, but I've just got to rush through this. Go to Numbers chapter 6. I'll show you how to bless them. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. Hope you came with your Bible this morning. Numbers chapter 6. You know what I sense, and I'm talking to you plain, all right? I'm talking to you both as your pastor and as a preacher. I sense you've been watching a lot of the news media and a lot of the TVs slant on what Israel is all about. I sense you've been worried about, you know, what everybody else thinks of Israel. You better worry about what God thinks of Israel. Okay. Because you see, when you learn what God thinks of Israel, now you'll learn about what God thinks of you. So here's uh, Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise ye shall bless. This is how you bless the children of Israel. You can say this. Say unto them, The Lord bless thee. Wouldn't that be a good thing to meet a, a Jew and say, Lord bless you. That's how you bless them. And keep thee, which means keep you safe. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I, God says, will bless them. And my, my point is, woe unto this nation and every nation that takes the wrong side of God against Israel. That's why I worry about Ireland. Because Ireland is taking the wrong side against Israel. You don't do that. Second thing we've got to do as Christians, stand with them. Go to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 and verse 15. I want you to think, ladies and gentlemen, outside of your TV box. I'm going to ask you to stop believing one-tenth of what the news media says about everything. I don't care what it is. Test everything you see and everything you hear by the facts and by history and especially by the Bible. Israel as a nation is surrounded by 13 major Muslim nations that have sought for its destruction from the very beginning. Most of them have attempted to destroy them. I want you to see that little old Israel is Netanyahu. Israel is surrounded by enemies. But the truth is this, no matter how much, and it's been true throughout the last 
80 years since uh, uh, Israel founded as a state, the truth is that God will defend them for sure. Look at Isaiah 54 in verse 15. Behold, they shall surely gather together against Israel, but not by me. They won't do it because I told them to. Whosoever shall gather together against thee, Israel, shall fall for thy sake. Keep going. Down to verse 17. No weapon. Now, I've heard this. Stop there. Look at me for a second. I've heard this preached by so many churches. And you know what they do? They apply it to themselves. Now, listen, I'm glad for the promises of God. And those promises usually can apply to the Christian. But you better first apply it to the Israel and to the Jews. Look at what it says. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. But every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou, Israel, shall condemn back. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Zechariah, I bet you can't find it. Zechariah, just before Matthew. Zechariah chapter 2. Zechariah is just before Malachi. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 4. This is God's promise to Israel, the nation, not to spiritual Israel, you and me. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 4. And said unto him, Run, run, man, and speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited, again in the future, because they were destroyed at that point, as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. There's a great promise, verse 5. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her, unto Jerusalem, a wall of what? I'll be a wall of fire round about, and I will be the glory in the midst of her, speaking of Jerusalem. Go down to verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. I've gone and I've preached to those people who've taken advantage of you, Israel, and I've warned them, for he that touches you toucheth the apple of his eye. Now, you may not know much of history. I don't think most kids learn history anymore. I'm not sure what they learn. But Jewish history is amazing. I'm talking about recent. Uh, as the Jewish state was born in, in 1948, five Arab armies, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, and Iraq, immediately invaded Israel. The Arabs had no difficulty obtaining all of the weapons they needed, but they were defeated. They were sent home, and Israel doubled in size right after they were, they were attacked. In 1967, during the Six-Day War, Notice six. I wish that wars would only last six days. Amen. During the Six-Day War, again, the armies of Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and later Iraq again attacked Israel. Their goal was, stated in all the newspapers, their goal was to wipe Israel off the map. Israel defeated the attack even though the Arab armies had huge superiority in armor, aircraft, and troops. One a set of, uh, of tanks was lined up by the Arabs getting ready to attack into Israel. And those tanks uh, uh, were all lined up and all these Arabs got, uh, uh, got dispatched to, uh, to get into those tanks. They piled into the tanks, they fired up the engines, they got ready to run across. And then all the Arabs jumped out of those, I don't know how many tanks there were, jumped out of those tanks and ran for their lives because the tanks were filled with bees. 
How'd that happen? Do not mess with Israel, man. October 1973, Egypt and Syria launched another attack on Israel. It's called the Yom Kippur War. And Israel, everybody in Israel, at that point, it was a, it was a, 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 a feast, a, a celebration that was to be restful. There were very few watchmen. There was no preparation. They were, they were uh, uh, unprepared for the attack, and yet Israel once again defeated their enemies. You know what I decided? I'm going to stand with Israel. My believer should stay in step with God and out of step with the world. Matthew chapter 25 tells of Jesus having the sheep and the goats, uh, the sheep on the right side, the goats on the left, and he says to the sheep, he says, Come ye enter, enter my kingdom, for when I, and he says, When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was, was in prison, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And they asked, When did we do that? And he said, When you did unto the least of my brethren. I wonder if the Lord has wanted so often to honor you and to bless you, but he can't because you won't be a blessing to nobody. You're only still thinking about yourself. You're only worried about your problems and your stress and your needs and not realizing there's a world of people who are hurting. There's a world of people who are struggling just to breathe. And you've got a few problems. I know you've got your own. I know that. But you know, if you don't start to go out of your way to look out for people, there's no blessing of God on you. There is not. The blessings are for those who serve. And it begins with the Jews, and we don't normally take care of them. Do not ever be ashamed of them. Sometimes they're embarrassing. A lot of Christians I know are embarrassing too, amen? But don't ever be ashamed of Israel. Don't ever take a racist side against them. Can you imagine some church right now, today, getting up and some minister getting up and saying, you know, those, those Jews in that synagogue over there in Pittsburgh, they deserve to die. Can you imagine that? Unheard of. But I know this, a lot of people live like that's true. They wouldn't mind if Israel sort of disappeared. They don't really worry about those dirty Jews. That's what they're called. Those dirty Jews. They, you know, that's what, listen. Racism is, is a 21st century problem, if you haven't noticed, where we judge people by color, we judge people by their, uh, whether they drive a nice car. I mean, I really grieved when they moved the cars from mm -hmm. a, 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 a the, remember, it used to be the beginning two digits of the vehicle was the year, remember that? That was already tough enough. My kids are always going, look, there's a new car. Oh, look, there's, I'm driving something that's 25 years old, you know? But now, it's not just a 191. I mean, it's not just a 19. It's a 191. I got it in the first half of the year. I can't wait to get a 192. And, and, and we're, we're so prone to judge based on just our feelings and based on color and based on everything except character and everything except what is right. We just judge and judge. Why? Because we hate ourselves. I'll tell you. You'll never, ever love yourself until you love someone else. God doesn't tell you love yourself first. I wish, I wish all these counselors would go to the Bible. The Bible says you want to learn how to love yourself, love someone else. Just start loving. All of a sudden, God blesses you. Husbands, love your wives, and then all of a sudden, you'll be able to love yourself. Man. you got a problem with yourselves because you don't know how to love somebody else. End of story. 
Never take a racist side against them. Never let anything anti-Semitic or racist come out of your mouth. I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. And really, honestly, you hear somebody else joking, making statements about somebody, and uh, maybe you got a friend that's not like you. Maybe they're a little bit different. Maybe they, you know, a different nationality or whatever. Whoever you um, uh, with, and somebody starts making fun of them, shut them up, because that's not right. Now, if somebody's sinning, it's right to rebuke sin. Somebody beats up somebody, take them out. <laughs> Stop them. But we're talking about racism. Especially against the Jewish people. I wish that we had the determination to never let the Holocaust ever happen again. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Go to the right. Philippians chapter 2. Find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. If you demean anyone for just being different than you, you are stupid and not like Christ. That shouldn't come out of a preacher's mouth. Uh-huh, are you sure? Because you wouldn't hear it if I said, just don't do it. <laughs> no, you need some strong words. To honor and to bless the Jews, here's the truth for you, is God's way of teaching us to honor other people than ourselves. That's where it begins. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. What's vainglory? That's focusing on me. That's vanity. How many of you have a vanity mirror in your house? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> it's about you. What do I see about me? All right. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness, humility of mind, let each of us esteem other better than themselves. Wow. Amen. See, the Christians shouldn't be going around, well, you know, I'm first in God's kingdom. I'm awesome. I'm better loved. No, no, no. When you esteem the Jews, you're learning how to esteem anybody. Amen. In other words, never let the Holocaust happen again. The German people let it happen. There were, there were communities that were one mile down the road from Auschwitz. And they were raising their children and they were singing and going to school. They had plays. And down the road, tens of thousands were slaughtered, experimented on, and, mm. and gassed and killed. And they brought in thousands every week. And just down, they were sitting there, and they saw the smokestacks, and they saw the black smoke, and they, well, you know, I guess it's got to happen. Whatever's happening over there. The French people let it happen. The Americans let it happen. The British let it happen. And the Irish let the Jewish genocide happen. Thankfully, as World War II expanded, they opened their eyes, and they saw what Hitler was doing to the Jews, and thankfully, most of them intervened. But Christians the world over did not care, and this is the shame and the blot on Christianity, with a little c, because not everybody that says they're a Christian is. But Christians the world over did not care that the Jews were being shuffled from ghetto to ghetto, and then to prison camps, and then to gas chambers and medical experimentation facilities. Ladies and gentlemen, do not think it trite that I'm asking you, don't ever let that happen again, because it will. Third, Thank God for Israel. Go to Romans chapter 11. Back to the left. By the way, I have to say this. As much as it is detestable that what happened 80 years ago in Germany and all over Poland and wherever they had uh, concentration camps, 
We have something far worse happening right now and has now been, in, been introduced into Ireland. It is the slaughter of innocent unborn children. And we didn't stop it. And until we take it seriously that, you know what, a Christian voice matters. We didn't do our job. I know the Irish think that it's a, it's a woman's right and it's health care and all this stuff, which is nothing but a lie. But wouldn't it matter if we spoke up and says, it's not a health care. Somebody's dying. It's not a woman's right because it's another life. We know it's hard. An unplanned pregnancy, which most of them are. Hello? An unplanned pregnancy, troubled pregnancy, problem pregnancy, a life and death situation is hard. But you don't introduce abortion on demand. Amen? And we didn't stop it. We didn't stop it. Romans chapter 11 and verse 11. Third, thank God for them. Romans 11 and verse 11. I say then, speaking of Israel, have they stumbled that they should fall? As if to say, fall and never get up again? God forbid. But rather through their fall, we ought to thank God that salvation is coming to us. To the Gentiles, for to provoke them, the unsaved Jews, to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of the Jews has now produced the riches of the Gentiles, and we're talking about money, we're talking about salvation, knowing God, and churches, and evangelism, how much more their fullness. So the truth is, we need to thank God for that tiny little nation in the middle of uh, the middle of the Middle East called Israel, because we owe an immeasurable debt to them. Do you know all we have we got from them that's from God? You know, your Bible is a Jewish book. Do you know that? Every author of that Bible was a Jew. Amen. Two-thirds of your Bible is written in Hebrew. I'm glad I read it in English. But it's a Jewish book. It speaks of Jewish people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jerusalem, the Levites, the, Pas the Passover, the temple. Thank God for the Bible. I wouldn't know the love of God if it weren't for a Bible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that God wanted me if it weren't for a Jewish Bible. Amen. Say, well, it's English. Well, yeah, because some guys spent a lot of time figuring out how to put it in English. But it started out in, in Hebrew and in Greek. It didn't start out in English. Secondly, our Savior, the very Savior of the whole world, is a Jewish Savior. I know it's kind of a revelation, but Jesus was a... He was born in Israel to a very Jewish young virgin named Mary. He grew up in Galilee of, 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 of Israel. He never left the borders of the land of, of Israel. Jesus was a Jew, and we owe our salvation to a Jewish Savior. We owe most of our freedoms. Now I'm going to get where it hurts. Most of our freedoms in Western civilization and Western laws that we take for granted came from the Jewish Bible. All the rights that everyone argues about these days were presented first in the Bible by the Jews, not in courts or in parliament or even in constitutions. A great constitution, and the Irish constitution is being totally, bit by bit, disintegrated. But a great constitution seeks to protect the rights given to us by God, not voted on by the people. You don't get a right because the majority says it. Listen. To take away the rights of the unborn was a majority decision of the people. That was wrong. 
A right is a right, whether a constitution says it or not, whether the courts agree with it or not, a right is given to us by God, and we got the right to life from the Bible. Amen. Most of our freedoms that we take for granted came from the Jews. You wouldn't believe it if you believed everything on the news. Even their falling away from God made it possible for you and me to get saved. I think it's brilliant. Now, more about that tonight, and I encourage you to come tonight for Romans 11, about the riches that we have inherited because of Israel. Four, learn from them. Go to Romans chapter 15 now. Romans 15 and verse 4. Romans 15, 4 says this, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, back in the past, and we're not talking about just history, we're talking about the Bible. Whatsoever things were written in the Old Testament, were written for our what? Amen. That we through patience and comfort of the might have hope. Amen. You know, when you're reading in Exodus, you're reading about the Jews coming out of Egypt, out of slavery, and going through and grumbling and mumbling and complaining and, and uh, uh, getting in trouble with God and uh, uh, having no water and having no food and and God taking care of them, and God giving them a leader that they didn't like. All of that, you know what? That's something for me to learn from. Because I'm just as a complainer as they are. And God's been just as good to me, if not better, than he was to them. Listen. How'd they go silent? Watch the Jews. Even today, they are the centerpiece of God's work. Be slow to judge them. Everyone seems to look at Israel and judge them as weird and different, and they are. There are people that should not have a wall around them. Back about 15 years ago, they had to build a 15-foot build a high wall for about 150 miles. If you, well, not quite that far. I forget how long it was. It was around the area of Jerusalem to divide the Palestinians from the Jews. And everybody says, how come they're building a wall? They built a wall because every other day, somebody would walk in completely surrounded with nails and, a, and a bomb, with bombs underneath it, and they would go into a crowded supermarket or go into a crowded market and blow themselves up and kill 50 people. And it was happening every other day. And so they built the wall. And yet on the news, oh, they were building their anti-palestine. No, they're trying to survive. Don't be so quick to judge them. Learn from them. Be slow to judge them. Learn from the Jewish people because, remember, the Bible was written by them and mainly about them. So if I learn something, I'll, I could, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather learn from your mistakes than make them myself. Amen? Am I selfish or what? <laughs> If I'm walking along and I'm following Derry and Derry, Derry, I say Derry, Darren trips over a, a stone over there. Guess what I'm going to do? Ha <laughs> ha. Darren's stupid. No, I'm going to go, I'm going to watch out for that stone. I learn from, if he trips, I'll learn from it. I don't want to make the same mistake. If I can learn from Israel, amen. There's a ton of stuff. Do not go, well, I just love the New Testament. I only stay in the New Testament. Well, you only got a quarter of a brain then. Because the whole Bible was meant to be read and learned from. Oh, there's Jews. I don't understand that. Of course you don't, because you never read about them. Get familiar with them. Learn about them. Because everything that happened in the New Testament was built upon the Old Testament. The Bible was written about, by them and about them, and they show an example of faith, and they also show the cost of rebellion. I wish our young people could sit in our church and be brought and said, you got to pay attention because it'll save you from a lot of 
heartache because you can learn from the rebellion of Israel that it does not pay. It does not pay. Do you ever realize that most of the prophecies in the Bible are about Israel? Not about you and me. God means for every one of us to read our Bibles from cover to cover and over and over to learn from these stiff-necked, stubborn, hard-hearted, rebellious people so that we don't get that way ourselves. Amen. Pray for them. Go to Psalm 122 again. Psalm 122. Our responsibility toward the Jews and Jewish people. I'm going to blow your mind at the end of this and see we're not just going to focus just on the Jews. Psalm 122, verse 6 and 7. Here's what the Bible says. We should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Do you think they need it? <laughs> you know, Jerusalem's called the city of peace, and if any city hasn't known peace, <laughs> it's Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love Jerusalem. Verse 7, here's a prayer. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. So we ought to pray for peace over there. You, I don't know, I think every time something comes up and goes on over there in Israel, and I've watched everything about Israel go quiet. It hasn't quieted down over there. But all the news is focused on stupid elections, and Michael Higgins getting reelected and everything. All the things that really don't matter... And what's going on over in Israel, you know, when that stuff would come onto your news feed or when you see it on television, you know what you ought to do? You ought to bow your head and say, God, give them peace. Amen. Secondly, pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Romans 10.1 says this, Brethren, speaking to Christians, Brethren, my heart's desire and, what's the next word? Prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. What was Paul's prayer list starting with every day? <laughs> Israel would be saved. He prayed for the salvation of the Jewish people. Pray for their protection against their enemies. Psalm uh, 25, 22 says, Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles. <laughs> and some of the things that they've done, they got themselves into trouble. You need to pray for them to be, to get out of trouble, to be protected from their enemies. Number four, pray for their prosperity. <gasps> you know what, everybody, you know what I hear? This health and wealth and prosperity gospel, which is of the devil, is all about me and what I can get from God. You know what the prayer request is there? Is for Israel to be prosperous. Uh, go back to Psalm 122. I had you there, but I want to keep you in the Bible. Psalm 122 and verse 7. Psalm 122, verse 7. Well, verse 6 and 7. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall what? Prosper that love thee, peace be with thine, thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Pray for their prosperity. Pray for them as a nation to succeed and as a people. Do not pray for their destruction. And you know, if you kind of just turn away and say, oh, they'll be fine. Yeah, they will be fine, but there's a blessing. I already quoted you. There's a blessing on those that want to bless Israel. 
if you want God to just pour you out a blessing that everybody seems to want, but they won't do it God's way, you want to actually have the blessing of God bless Israel, pray for them. Pray for them to succeed as a nation. Pray for Jerusalem to be honored by the world, Isaiah 62. I just found some prayer requests in the Bible for Israel that apply. Psalm 62 and verse 6. Psalm 62, verse 6. I love this. Start verse 5. Verse 5. God describes Israel, even though they are away from God, He describes His love of them like a newlywed couple. He says, For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the... I'm in Psalm 62... I said Psalm. Isaiah. Thank you. Isaiah 62, verse 5. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Isaiah 62, verse 5. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee, Israel. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. I've protected you, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. They will never be quiet. If there is danger, they will announce it. If there is good things going on, they will announce it. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give him no rest till he, God, establish, until he, God, make Jerusalem a what? A praise in all the earth. You need to pray and say, I pray that people get a better view of Israel, a better view of Jerusalem. Pray for the problems the Jewish people are going through. You're in Isaiah, go to the right, go to Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah 15 and verse 5. Jeremiah 15, 5. For who shall have pity upon thee, O Jerusalem? Or who shall bemoan thee? Who even shall go aside and ask how thou doest? Don't you like it when somebody says, how you doing? Don't you like that? Who's going to say, how are the Jews doing today? How's Israel holding up? We started this year studying Nehemiah, and this is, this is true. The whole thing of Nehemiah going back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls happened when he had some brethren, some, some, some fellow Jews, come into town, he was in Shushan the palace, and he ran to them, and let me read you Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2. Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem, they said, the walls are broken down, the gates are burned with fire, the people are under duress. And it says this in verse 4, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. And I mourned certain days, and I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. It affected him. Pray for the problems and the sorrows of others, starting with the Jewish people. Let me just stop here for a second. It has always been the normal and the priority thing for us to do as Bible believers to pray for Israel. Only in the bigger denominations do they ignore Israel. So add them to your prayer list. I bet you got a prayer list. I bet you're the first thing on there. Dear Lord, bless me. 
know what you need to do? Start off with Israel. Put yourself at the bottom and you'll find yourself blessed. Amen? Is that revelation? Number six, last thing. Most importantly, win them. Romans chapter 1. We're through. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, I'm going to put a slant in this because I'm, I'm glad for the gospel and the work of the gospel. But I want you to see, what I, I mean, I'm going to say something that's not going to be in there. And I want you to watch why in just a moment. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the teenager first, and also to the adult. Now, why do I say that? Because... Uh, in March of 1980, an old woman, about 30 years old, <laughs> saw three teenage boys come into the coffee shop and sit down, and instead of her going, oh, they're not my generation. You know what she did? She went and grabbed three gospel tracts out of her purse and gave three teenage boys, one of them being me, a gospel tract, invited us out to church, told us, told us we need to be born again. You know, think about it. If we only go for those who are like us or who relate to us or who we can, can relate to, the gospel is not going to get anywhere. It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. And now I'm going to put the regular like it is in there. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God. The gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live not by good works, not by their prayer life, not by their giving, but they live by faith. So here's the truth. Jesus died to save the Jews from their sins just like he died to save you from yours. Israel needs to get saved. So start praying specifically for Israel to get converted. Amen. Greatest privilege I think I've ever had and greatest privilege you'll ever have. I mean, you think that if you got to meet, uh, I don't know, a lot of people got excited about the Queen of England when she came through the English market there a couple of years ago. Was it Prince of Wales? Not the Prince of Wales. He hadn't been here, had he? Who came last year? Was it Prince of Wales this year or whatever? Some people get all, ooh! Megan and what's her husband's name? Henry? Harry? Harriet? I don't know. Anyway, I mean, if they came to Cork, the people come out, ooh, and you know, some Christians, I'd be really proud of them. They go over there, I gave Prince, Prince Harry, is that his name? Prince Harry, that gospel, amen, amen. But there's no greater privilege than giving a Jew the gospel, because the Bible says, to the Jew first. Try to win them. Win everybody, but folks, give them the gospel. Pray specifically for them to get converted. You know, you're never going to care about somebody you don't pray about. Did you ever think of that? Go. Go to them. Don't be afraid. Don't be hesitant. Don't be arrogantly rude either. Just love them, man. Give them the gospel. They're not going to get saved without a preacher. How are they going to hear without a preacher, the Bible says? Witness to them as a Gentile Bible believer. Uh, they, they really get upset when you know more Bible than they do. Warn them of the wrath of God, their God that is coming. Show them from the Bible they're not right with God. Provoke them. Oops, there you are. Provoke them to search the scriptures themselves. And here's the last thing I want to say. When you get the chance to give somebody the gospel, Jew or Gentile, 
believe that they will believe. Don't go, ah, you're not going to get saved anyway. <laughs> Don't do that. Believe, they're going to believe the, 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 the Bible. I think that they will care to know the Bible if they know you care about their soul. You know, it's hard to reject somebody who loves you. Amen? Then that brings us back to the beginning. Love them. Bless them, even if they are your enemies. There's quite a list. Bless them. Stand with them. Protect them. That doesn't mean that everything they do is right. But thank God for them. Learn from them. Pray for them. And win them to God. You know, that'll work with every nationality you ever meet. If you will put your feet into their shoes and learn a little bit about them, you might just realize, boy, they need God. Boy, I need to pray for them. You see, when we get our hearts and our focus on the Jews right, it'll help us so we have the right focus on everybody. Does everybody understand that? Isn't that cool? Here's the invitation to you. You think about it. Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Or is he just some guy on the cross, a crucifix down at the, end of the, at the head of the church somewhere? Does he live inside of a little silver box at the, at the front of the church, or does he live in your heart? Never mind about what the Jewish people have done. Yes, they rejected him 2,000 years ago, and they're still generally re rejecting him. There are Jews. They get saved, and they get gloriously saved. But I'm going to ask you, are you rejecting him today? Oh, those Christ rejectors. That's what the Catholics used to call them. Those Christ killers. It was my sin that put them on the cross. Your sin. And if you're sitting here today and you've gone week after week and heard message after message and you keep putting them off, you're a Christ rejector. Don't do that. He went on that cross willingly and he hung there and he gave his life so you could be born again so that you could have life eternal. Are you tired of paying the price for your own sin, your own stubbornness? Today's a good day to just believe that Jesus died for you and that he was buried and he rose again just for you. I invite you to ask him to, to, to let him save you. It's kind of like a doctor. You've got to let him do his work. You can't save yourself. You just bow, humbly bow your head and say, I just believe with all my heart. I believe that, that God became a perfect man and then let religious people kill you, show how wicked we are, and you got up again, full of forgiveness, and I accept it now. That's how you get born again. Now, what about the rest of you? You can stay a baby, think, you, think only about yourself and all the problems in your life, or you can start growing up and realizing we have an obligation to the Jewish people. To love them, pray for them, bless them, stand with them, learn from them, and win them. That's a lot of work to do. So next time you see Israel in the news, go, I've got a job to do. And thank God for them. They're still reminding that this world needs their Savior. Amen? Let's stand. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, I bow before you, and as we close our eyes and bow our heads, Lord, I'd just like you to be able to speak to hearts this morning on how 
lopsided we are. And we're so quick to, to live in our own world and never, never really see things from your viewpoint. And your viewpoint is a very ungodly people. We've gone through blips of, of righteousness and right with you and through long periods of time of being scattered and far away from you. And yet you stayed committed to them. And it's breathtaking, God, because you keep your promises. And so there's a promise right now that's available to everyone in this room who's not born again, and that is that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Can't just say it in a flippant prayer, you gotta believe with all your heart. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Those are promises of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, not just believing in him like a devil does, not believe in him from a distance, but trusts in him. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish and go to hell, but have everlasting life. God, if that's your promise, I can count that you will keep your promise. Israel's a great testimony to all of us that you are a promise-keeping God. Lord, I, I ask that in this room there be somebody who'd say, I believe that promise today. I believe that Jesus died for me, and I want to follow him all my life. I've never understood the Jews. I've never understood any of this, but now I know this Bible is bigger than I've ever imagined, and I'm just going to learn it because it was written for my learning. Even if it is about the Jews and the temple and things, it's also about Jesus and about the future. I pray I just learned it all. Give us a hunger and a confidence. God, you know what you're doing. We just want to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.